Good morning. It's good to see each and every one of you this morning. Are you thankful to be here this morning? You wake up this morning and say, God, thank you for another day. Man, I tell you, it is, uh, you couldn't, I mean, God really blessed us. Look at the sunshine out there. I'm looking at it. The sunshine, it's a blue sky. It's fall. We're getting ready to have Thanksgiving. A lot of things to be thankful for. And I'm thankful for you being here this morning because we're come here to worship. I hope that you're here to worship this morning, to open up the Word of God, to calm our hearts about what goes on in this world, maybe calming your hearts about what um, is going on and maybe in your own life right now, and giving some time to God and say, God, I want to hear from you this morning, because God speaks, amen? amen. And he speaks through His Word. That's the reason it tells us in Hebrews that it is a, uh, an active Word, a living Word, eternal Word. And I am so thankful for that this morning. And I'm glad that you're here. You know, the, this past Monday we had Man Church here. And let me just tell you what Man Church is. It's around this region that um, different churches will host a, a time for men. We, we fed them. Thank you all. I'm thankful for that. For those that came and, and, uh, and uh, made brisket and for the sides and the desserts and everything and putting up tables and all the promotion and everything went on. We had 85 men in this auditorium last Monday night, and it was a glorious thing, amen, yes. I'm going to fight this all afternoon or all morning, so I'm just going to turn that off. But we had 85 men here, and I'm telling you, I, I love to listen to the church sing. I love it. We were absolutely blown away. You get 85 men, and they're singing to the glory of God. You just can't help but not be moved. And we're going to be doing this again. I don't know, I don't exactly know when we'll be doing it again, but we will be doing it again soon. But praise God, lifting the voices to, to Him in praise. And we did that this morning. But you know, I'm also thankful as we are here and, um, for this Veterans Day. What we're doing right here, folks, being able to congregate together, being able to open up this Word of God, is because men and women died for us. Let us never take that for granted. Have you ever been to Arlington or to a national cemetery and see all the white crosses and see all the stars of David? Those are those who have been, who have been through so much for us. Let us be thankful for that because what we get to do right now is because of that. And I'm thankful for it. One of the most powerful scenes I've ever had in my life is walking up into Arlington National Cemetery and seeing the, the tomb of the unknown soldier and the, just how quiet and serene it is, and they still speak to us today in their sacrifice. Let us never be. Let us never forget what they've done for us and take it for granted. I think that's one of the, the biggest things that human beings have that capability of, biggest problem, is taking things for granted. Let us not take it for granted. Let us not take for granted what we're doing right here in worship. Because God wants us to worship and say, well, you know, uh, I've I, I got other things to do. Let's not take that for granted. Let us take not for granted the fact that we have a Savior who bled and died for us. And that we're going to be singing about and, and uh, that we're going to be reading about. And I'm thankful for that. And so hear the Word of God this morning. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4. And Hebrews chapter 4 is a very powerful chapter. 
And it does talk about the Word of God, but it also talks about a great desire of God. You know, we have been looking through this biblical foundations um, and this biblical foundations of, of what God has uh, given to us, and it's the doctrine that we have, and we've been talking about those things. And we talked about that the Bible and the doctrine and the gospel. So let's talk about the gospel. The gospel is historical, that we know there's a Jesus, and we've talked about that. There's a Jesus, and he actually lived. He actually died, and he's actually in heaven right now. We have a God of Jesus, a gospel that is central to our lives. We talked about that last week. And the centrality of that gospel is just absolutely pivotal in our lives because it is life, the gospel. And today we're going to be talking about the gospel is personal. And the personal aspects of that is that God desires you. Do you know that God has a great, passionate desire for you? He does. We're going to read about it here in Hebrews chapter 4. Would you stand with me this morning and let's read this. And we stand in honor of God's word because I can't imagine not doing that. Chapter 4, verse 1, it tells us, Therefore let us fear, lest while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you should seem to have come short of it. For indeed we've had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has thus said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. He then fixes a certain day, today, saying through David after so long a time, just as it's been said before, now, I want you this last few passages, I want you to read, listen and read this very carefully. Put this deep in your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. There remains, therefore, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from him. Now, here's the, here's the grand finale of this. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall through the following, the same example of disobedience. The gospel is personal, God's great desire. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, because you are great. And Father, we just, we're here as, as we listen to these, these wonderful words Father, we hear a warning, but we also know, God, that, that you've given us the good news. This gospel of Jesus Christ, who have, you have done all things. Father, you came, you, you, you lived, you died, you rose again, and now your great desire for us to know you personally is still in effect, still available. And Lord God, I pray if there's any here 
that have a shadow of a doubt that they belong to you. Let this day be a day of victory for them, a day of rejoicing and thankfulness in their hearts. And Father God, if there are some who have, who have had that great joy in their heart, the salvation of their souls, but Father God, they feel beat up, beat down, or Father, just needing a time of refreshment, let us come to you. And let us lay those things at your feet and say, I need you. Oh, we need you. Every hour we need you, Lord. So I thank you for this great word. Let us now be passionate about listening. It's in that name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. So I talked about God's passionate desire. God's passionate desire is in this text. And in this text, you'll see references to this word rest. In chapters 3 and 4, you'll see 12 separate references to rest. That's God's great desire for you, that you rest in Him and what does it mean to rest in Him? Let me tell you, in, the second, in, in 2 Peter 3.9, I want to show you the passion of God. It says, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, and here it is, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Let me read that again. That last part, but is patient towards you, not wishing. So his desire is this, he's not wishing for any to perish, but for all, all to come to repentance in Jesus Christ. That is his great passion. And when we look and we go back into Hebrews where we are here, he says that passion is that you rest, that you rest in me. There's a lot of unrest in the world today, isn't there? So let's take the opposite of rest, and what is the opposite of rest? It's unrest. We, we have a lot of things going on. We have wars, and we have a lot of violence in the world, and there's unrest. We have political unrest. We have economic unrest. Unrest is something that we live in every day. Think about it now. Every day. It may be something in your job that there may be something there, or the, your family, there's some unrest going on there. Perhaps something that you can't control or you've tried to control in the past. And so when we look into this world today, we see all of this unrest. And we think, now how do I survive in a world with all of this going on? Here's the good news. This world will follow its course and God is in control of it. But in all of that, he has provided Jesus Christ for us that we know in the unrest that we have rest for our souls in him. In him and in him alone. Twelve different references in this three, uh, chapters 3 and 4 tells us, he says it's about the rest. Look at it, he says, this, he says all of these things, he says the good news preached to us. He says in verse 3, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. But look what it says in verse 10 and 11, because there's a lot of things that we can reject his rest. But he says, for the one who's entered his rest, he's also rested from his works. And he's talking about Jesus. He's done it all. It's all complete. It's all, it's all ready to go. This is his great desire. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. That's God's great desire. That none should perish. But yet there's so many things, obstacles in our way of saying, yes, I want to follow that. 
And he talks about these things. But I tell you, when we look at this, we're going to be talking about those things in just a moment. But when we look into the text, he's so passionate about it. But he also tells us what the things can happen to us if we fail to do that. And so there are four things that I want you to look at in this chapter that we're going to be that, that, that are absolutely important to us about the good news and the pers- how personal the gospel is. The first one is this, and write this down. There is this warning of falling short. This is reality. Look what he says here in verse 1. Therefore, let us fear, lest a promise remains of entering his rest. Any one of you should seem to have come short of it. You know, I saw a very powerful thing years ago, and there was two men in a, in a foot race. I don't remember when it was or what the race is all about. But this, they were neck and neck, and they were coming down, and it was one of those marathons, it was one of those ultra marathons, and they were coming down to the very end, they could see the finish line, and then they were running together, and the one that's right beside him, he falls down. He has nothing left. I mean, I mean his body has just given out. He can't even stand up. And there's no way he's going to finish that race on his own. And what's amazing about it is, is that guy right beside him stopped. Now, he could have won so easily. He stopped and turned around and picked him up. And shoulder to shoulder, they walked over the victory, over the finish line. I'm telling you that we, as as we're here today, if we think we can save ourselves, you're going to fall short. You need one that's going to take you over the finish line, and that is Jesus Christ. There is none in the world. It won't be Buddha. It won't be Muhammad. It won't be any of the 19,000 gods in Hinduism. It won't be good intentions. It won't be anything other than the blood of Jesus Christ and repentance and faith in Him that's going to take you into that rest. That's it. That's how personal it is. And it's for every one of us individually. 2 Peter 3.9 That not willing for any to perish. And so when we look at this warning of falling short, God knows that some are going to hear the gospel and they're going to fall short of it. They're going to come this close to the gospel and say, yes, I I realize that and I have this feeling in my heart that I must give my life to him, but I just can't make that step. There's something in my mind or something in my soul or maybe a hurt or something that I just can't get past. And so I'll come close. That they just won't embrace the risen Savior. You know, we see it in Scripture. There's a couple guys in in Acts, and Paul is standing before them, and Paul is really fighting, literally fighting for his life through these guys. And it's King Agrippa and Festus. And Paul is standing before them, and they're interviewing him and what they're going to do with him. And Paul preaches the gospel to him. Paul is not really caring about what happens to his life because he knows that Jesus has his life. And whether he lives for another day or ten years from now, that is up to the Lord. His job is to give the gospel to these men. And these were powerful men. They were men that had had the ability to say, okay, your life is done today or you can have life. But Paul is giving them the gospel. And they come up to the very end of his appeal to them. And King Agrippa says... I, I, I come so close, but I just cannot go there. Now I'm paraphrasing. He says, you almost convinced me. But there was something that he had to give up, and he had to give up 
he had to give up his life to Jesus, to the gospel. Festus said, you're mad, you're mad, away with me. And all he was doing was preaching Jesus. And we see it in, the, and we see it in Scripture again. And this one impacts me so much because I, I go back to it because it just really encompasses the whole thing about when we hear the gospel, what are we going to do with it? It's the rich young ruler that Jesus comes face to face with. And this rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and said, tell me how to inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, have you kept the commandments? And he says, yes, I've kept all the commandments. Now, he only lists three. All right, so he's, he's kind of he's um, wavering a little bit on the truth on that. He says, I've kept this one, this one, this one. But Jesus says, if you want to come to me, sell everything that you have and follow me. Now, he's presented this. So he says, this is the way to have. Now, selling everything you have is not the point here. Selling everything you have is not the gospel. What Jesus is going to say is, what he's telling him is, I want you to give up everything that you hold valuable and follow me. Everything that that you have, you just put it to the wayside and follow me. That is the gospel. Putting myself to the side and saying, I don't know what my life will be, but I'm going to follow you, Jesus, and follow him. We see in the disciples, right? They left their nets. They didn't even say goodbye to their dad. Can you imagine what dad is thinking there? It's like, man, guys, we, we still have fish. But yet they need to follow Jesus, and they did. So this rich young ruler, he, he starts counting the cost. And when he counts the cost, it's too high of a cost, and he turned away, and his heart, it says, was very sore. Well, what it means is he was sad because it says he was wealthy, and he didn't want to give it up. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you've got to give it up. Now, what do I mean by that? You've got to give him your life and say, God, this is yours. You created me. So everybody in there right now, you're all breathing. You're all his creation. Every one of us. All of us have the gospel. Availability to us. Every one of us. But does every one of us, do every one of us have the salvation from Jesus Christ? I want you to think about that this morning. Have I said yes and, and, and placed my faith and embraced and received Jesus Christ and say, this is the life that I want. I, I used to have a life and now I want this one. I want this one forevermore. And I know that you died for me. I know that you, that you suffered for me. I know that your blood now is the salvation of my soul and the forgiveness of my sins. And I know you came out of that tomb and I know that you're alive I receive you. That's the gospel. That's life. And I don't want this life anymore. I want the life that you have for me. Oh, praise God. What a day that is when we give our life up for him. There are so many, though, that will hear the gospel. And it's like that, remember the, the, the parable of the soils, where there's four different types of soils? And, this, and let me just get laser in on this one soil. Is this one soil that, that uh, the, the, the gospel, it, it took a little root and it sprouted. But nothing came of it. And so the gospel where it says, you know, I know I need this, I know, that the, I know it's true, but I just can't make that step. 
That's what he's talking about. So many will have the gospel sprout in their hearts and they'll just only turn away from it. This is what God is saying is, do not come short of it. You may come very close to it and say, no, that's not what I want. Or no, I have to give up too much. I'm pleading with you today, if you do not have Jesus Christ as your Savior, as it says in verse 7, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. The warning of falling short, that breaks my heart, that passage. And so God has this great desire that you enter His rest but let me tell you, if we, if we see this warning, but God also gives us some great things here. He tells us of the good news, and that's the second thing. We have the warning of falling short, but we have the good news. Look at verse 2. For indeed we have good news preached to us. Let's get, let's get happy about that. We've had good news preached to us. And what is he going to say? Just as they also... Now, so you have the good news, but then he comes down here and says, now think about this. He says, they heard the word, did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. So what is about the gospel of Jesus Christ? You have the gospel of Jesus Christ, which must be united with faith. And so you hear the good news of Jesus and say, by faith you are saved, what the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, by faith you are saved. And when you put your faith in Jesus, that's the good news And saying, and what does it mean to put your faith in Jesus? It means that everything that I have, everything that I want to do, I'm going to give to you. And I want you, to, I want you to lead my life, and I want to live a different life. I want to be made brand new. I want my sins forgiven, and I want to live with you forever and ever. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so that faith is... I bring, it, I bring my belief. We can't bring anything to God because He owns it all. But he, he, he wants our belief and say, I believe these things. I just talked about a few minutes ago that you died for me, you love me, and you have, a, you, you have this great desire for me. And I, I, I want you. That's what it is. It's the good news. Now look at the good news. If we go a little bit further, now I'm going to go to chapter 3 here. Look at the good news that he tells us even more. The good news is that, that God is the builder of all things. Look at chapter 3, verse 2. He was faithful to him, appointed to him as, Mount, as Moses was in all of the house. He says in verse 4, For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. He is the builder. Jesus Christ is the foundation but God is the builder. And he goes on to say that he's the builder in all these things. And he talks about this a little bit more. He says that Jesus is faithful. Now I want you to see something here. You're going to see the Trinity right here. God is the builder. And what is the Trinity? If, you're, if you don't know what the Trinity is, you're probably in very good company because men have spent many gallons of ink writing about the Trinity. But let me tell you what it is. It's, three, it's one God, three persons, one in one. Think of it like a triangle. A triangle, and this is the best way to do it. In, in the systematic theology, we, we struggled with this and, and, the, and all the different aspects of it. Think of a triangle. A triangle has three points, all equal, and it's still a triangle. That's God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. 
Praise God. But we see the, the trinity here. God is the builder. Now then we take a little bit and we see that Jesus is faithful. Verse 6, but Christ was faithful as a son over his house, the one that he built, in whose house we are, if we hold fast to our confidence and boast of our hope firm unto the end. And what he's saying there, it is Jesus who has done it all. God laid the foundation, he built the house, and Jesus Christ has come along now, and he is faithful to it. And he is faithful and just to forgive you. You may be saying, man, there's a lot of words here about forgiveness and repentance. There's a lot of words here about good news and gospel. What do I do with all those things? Let God speak to you this morning. Let God do these things in your life that he's the builder of all things. Jesus is faithful. And the third thing is we see the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice. When I was a, when I was a kid, um, I was a rambunctious kid. I mean, I, I, I didn't sit still very well. And uh, a desk just, just seemed like prison to me. And I, would, I, would, I was anxious all the time. And I didn't listen all that well. And I've got, I listen all the time now. And, uh, and Kelly can attest to that. And, uh, but I remember one time my teacher said, young man, sit still and hear what I'm saying. And I sat down and I, I calmed myself down. Are we, are we right here this morning listening? Are we right here and saying, God, I'm listening to you? I'm listening to this word? Folks, I don't matter a whit. What matters is Jesus. What matters is the Word of God. Let's slow down. Let's, let's listen to the Word. And he says, he's, he's, the Spirit says today, if you hear His voice. I love it that God speaks to us. I love it that God has not just left us on this earth and said, okay, you figure it out. Because there's no way I'm going to figure it out. But he says, here it is, if you hear his voice. Verse 8, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. All this coming out of Psalm 95, by the way. So God had a passion back in Psalms, and he has a passion now. And so when we see this, we see the good news. He is the, God is the builder, he is faithful, and the Holy Spirit's speaking. That's his role, and he's in this world. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, praise God, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. That the Holy Spirit's going to guide you and say, listen, this is a good thing for you, or this is a bad thing for you. Now, we've been talking on the Holy Spirit on Wednesday nights for quite some time, and I tell you, we could probably do it till now, until Jesus comes for us, because that's how vast the Holy Spirit is. But listen for the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning. And so we have the warning of falling short, and we have the good news. Now then, folks, third thing is, the promise remains. Look at verse chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Therefore, let us fear, lest a promise remains. What is the promise? It says it right here. It's entering his rest. It's about the promise remains. And until Jesus comes and takes the church, the promise remains. And so when we look and see this, we see that the promise, and while we're living today, the promise remains. Let us not harden our hearts. 
When he looks into this, we see that the promise remains and says about entering his rest. And we see that that rest or that, that entering into Jesus Christ means a covenant. And I love speaking about covenant. Nathaniel um, and I talked quite a bit about covenant this past week. I like talking about the covenant. There's a difference between a contract and a covenant. A contract is, is where you protect your rights from another party. You know what a covenant is? It's giving up rights. It's giving up those rights. And God, he's provided covenants for us all through time. We see that he made a covenant with Noah. He made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant with Isaac. He made a covenant with Moses. He made a covenant with David. And there's one last covenant, and that's Jesus Christ. Praise God. And what that means is I give myself up. I give my life. I give my blood. I give up my life for you. And by that blood, we are cleansed. We are clean. You see, that's the covenant. That's the promise. And it tells us that we go back and think about that, that verse in 2 Peter 3, 9. It's about knowing that um, that's his desire for us. That, that um, he says that none should perish. And that blood cleanses all things. And so the promise remains here in all of this. And so when we look at this, we see that covenant is for you and forevermore. His covenant does not cease. You know the reason he had to make all those covenants bound through the years is because God kept every one of them. It was mankind that broke them. And the covenant in Jesus' blood is forevermore. And our, our, uh, and where we are right now, we should say yes or no. I want that life. And I'm telling you, folks, I can, and we're here this morning, just know this. This world is not going to become a utopia. This world is not going to be what you think. I mean, there, there's not, I don't care if it's climate change and all those people trying to say, well, you know, we can change the world and all these other things. I'm telling you, humanity can only make this world worse. It will never bring it into peace. There's only one that's going to bring it into peace, and it's Christ. One day. Know this. It's coming. Do not harden your hearts to this and say, well, you know, it's a long way away. You know, Peter talks about that too. People say, where's the promise of his coming? Oh, he talked about it and he talked about it. And now we know that when Jesus died, that was 2,000 years ago. There's no promise of it coming. And, and it's been so long that uh, perhaps God was wrong about this. I'm telling you, the reason why God is waiting is because he's waiting for the last one to be saved. And then he's coming. Our Savior's coming. Are we ready to meet Him? Now, I could go on to another sermon right there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, but let's stay focused here this morning. There is a way home. Fourth thing, a way home. So when we, when we get this down here, we see that there's a good news, that there's a warning of falling short. There's, there's um, this great good news. The promise remains. And the last one is the way home. Look at chapter 3, verse 3. Here is the way home. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. By just more as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. Now, what do you mean by that? It's about home. He's the, he's the builder of the house. So there is a way home. And I'm putting way in quotation marks because he is the way. 
He is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody enters his rest but by him. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Now, you, you might say this, and I'm going to look at my time here. Yeah, i got plenty of time. Why do we have to go through Jesus to get to the Father? I'm glad you asked. Because we're not worthy. We're not righteous. Because the Bible tells us in, in, the, in Romans that we're all sinners. You say, well, Pastor, that's, that's a powerful word, sinner. I don't feel like a sinner. If you've broken anything, in your, any law in your life, you're a sinner. If, you, if you've talked back to your parents, you're a sinner. If you cheated on a test, you're a sinner. The Bible tells us that we were conceived, and through one man, sin entered the world to all men. And so we're sinners. So here we know that God is completely holy and his heaven is completely holy and God desires us. Remember, God desires us, right? He wants us to come to, to live with him forever and ever. He wants us to be restored from what happened in Genesis, the fall. He wants to be restored by that, but we have to have an access point. And so there, but God is completely holy. He's in his heaven. And so how in the world are we to get from here to him? Well, you know, he did something great. He, doesn't need, he, he didn't intend for us to fly up there and get close to him. He sent his son. God sent his son, fully God, fully human, to this earth. Oh, thank goodness for Christmas. It is the son coming to the earth and living completely sinless, being completely sinless, and you know why he had to live the sinless life? Is because he had to pay for sin with a pure life. Because I can't pay it. I'm a sinner, the Bible tells us. And then I fall short of the glory of God. And the reason Jesus came is because I am a sinner. I am unrighteous. And God cannot allow sin into his kingdom. He can't allow, he cannot be around sin because he is pure, he is holy, and sin cannot come anywhere near him. And the Bible tells us that there's no darkness in him whatsoever, and so therefore there is this great chasm, and Jesus came to the earth to span that chasm. You say, how did he do that? Well, I've already talked about it, and I'm going to talk about Jesus till I was the last breath I take. He took my sin on the cross and he paid for it. Have you ever paid for somebody? I've done that before. Have you ever gone to uh, uh, the drive-thru and you think, man, I'm going to bless somebody behind me and I'm going to pay for their thing. Now, I have to admit I've done that many times that I make sure this is how terrible I am. I count how many people's behind me and <laughs> how many people's in the car, you know. No, I'm just kidding about that. So I'll tell you another one here. Anyway, I'm just saying, have you ever paid for somebody behind you? And, and you, you think, I'm going to bless them. You know, I've done it at McDonald's many times, and it stuns people from time. You're gonna, and you get that wave. Man, that's a good feeling. That they get a dinner on you. I've had some of you pay for my dinner. Now, if I just give you a wave and not a hug, you come up and hit me on the shoulder, okay? 
But that's a great feeling, being able to pay for somebody, and their debt is paid. I'm telling you, there's nothing like the feeling of being forgiven. I'm going back to when I was 12 years old and I was forgiven. And there's nothing like that feeling. That he came and he paid and and now my debt is clean. You ever had a time where you paid something off and you think, man, I'm free of that debt. It is a crushing debt and I'm now free of it. That's Jesus. Jesus says, the sin that you have, I cover it. I've paid for it. Your account is clean and you're mine forevermore. Praise God to him. And so the reason Jesus came is because I'm not righteous, but through him I am righteous. Through into the eyes of God, he paid for me that, that I may be acceptable to God. And so I can get up there. And don't think it's like a ticket to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's a relationship with Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. Oh, there's so much to see here. The way home is such a wonderful word. I want you to think about home just for a moment. I know many of you have been on vacation. And I've been on vacation before. And I'm telling you, I'm a guy. And I've been on vacation But there's something about when I get there and and I start enjoying myself and everything, there is something that turns in a guy's heart that says, it's time to go home. And I'm telling you, we will drive Mach 1 to get home, won't we? Come on, guys, you know this. And if you get lost, you're just going to drive anyway. Ultimately, you'll find your way home because you're not going to stop and ask anybody. You know that's a cardinal sin for a guy? And you heard it here. You heard it here. And now the women, they, they're, they're, they're falling into that too. They're like, yeah, we know it. <laughs> Man, I have tapped into something here. So when you're on vacation and, you, and you, you get away from home, you get away from work, you get away from those things, and... At some point in time, your mind turns home. Because home is where your stuff is, right? Home is where your bed is. Man, I tell you, I've been in some hotel rooms before, and I don't know what's underneath that thing, but it's like a board. And I know where my soft, comfy pillow is. I know where my refrigerator is. I know all those things. And so there's nothing quite like going home where you can just get out there and you stretch out and relax. In my chair. Now, that's another guy thing. Everybody has their chair, all right? Oh, come on, guys, I'm preaching. I know, I know. (laughs) You stretch out and relax. You know what the great thing about home is? It's where my people are. It's where my people are. So you come home and you see your people again. That's the gospel. That God puts eternity in our hearts. It tells us in in Ecclesiastes that God puts eternity in our hearts and therefore we have this natural natural yearning for home. 
And God says, I am your home. I want to be your home. And it's a place where, you know, your mind turns to home and he says, that's where your stuff is. The Bible tells us in John 14, that's where my home is. And so we have a home and, uh, and God has even given us guys the directions. It's through Jesus Christ. It's the way. It's where your people are. How many countless saints are we going to see? How many, are we gonna, how many countless saints? We see Paul, we see Moses, the Elijah. We, we, I mean, all of, they're up there and we see all those. But I'm telling you, there is one that you just cannot wait to see, and that's your Savior. That's your Savior. Because the Bible tells us, where I am, you will be too. Hmm. It's a great place to have a home here, yes. But what about your eternal home? Now, let's, let, let's, let, let's descend this a little bit. Let's land the plane. Everybody here is eternal. Everybody. Where are you going to spend it? God has given us everything we need to spend it with Him. But yet many times our pride gets in the way, our fear gets in the way. And we say, no, that's, mm -mm." When we understand the fact that God has done everything and he is ready for us, let us hasten to the king. You know, I think of all those that have hastened to the king. When I think of Christmas... I think of those shepherds, and man, they got, they got before the king. The three wise men got before the king. And through Jesus Christ, he gives us access. And he gives us the joy. Now, the thing is, this world may still pose a problem for us as Christians. But just know your Savior is waiting. One day you'll be with him, and all that will be forevermore in the past. But where is your home today, your eternal home today? Is it Jesus? Is it life? Because that's what it is, it's life. He is the way. Don't turn away from him this morning. Don't just say, well, okay, that's, that's, that is a wonderful feeling and that's a wonderful thing, but just say, mm, you know, I, I'm going to try something else. There is nothing else. It's only Jesus. You come this morning... Now, I'm going to make an appeal to you this morning. If you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus Christ, you've placed your faith in Him, I'm going to make an appeal to you this morning that there may be something in your life that you just need to talk to Him about. And it could be a whole, run a whole uh, gamut of things, whatever it may be. I want you to come and take it time, and I want you to come take some time with Him. But here's my other appeal. If you do not have a faith in Jesus Christ this morning, if you've never said, this is the life I want to lead, today is the day. Today is the day. And it's about embracing Him. And I want you to come, and I want you to know, with beyond a shadow of your doubt, that you belong to Him, and that one day you'll be home. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you as I lift this time, this invitation time up to you. And Father God, we have an amazing word that's been in, in front of us and Father's been written. 
And Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. I praise you, God. I give you all the credit that is so worthy and so due, so deserving. You've done it all for us. Let us come this morning, and Father God, to lay those things at your feet. And Father God, if there's any need to be saved to, to receive you this morning, let it be. And Heavenly Father, for those that um, you have known for so long as children of God, and they're, they may be hurting inside, let them come this morning. Or they may not have any idea how to handle something, let them come this morning. And Father God, to seek you. Oh, what a great God you are. And so, Heavenly Father, we just ask, Lord, you bless this time of invitation. It's in that name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.